This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a top of the charts Tuesday. That's when my man Patrick plays jams. I reached the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. Little Michael Jackson for you. Yeah, I think last top of the charts Tuesday we played some Jackson 5, I believe. Yeah. Now you got some Michael Jackson. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could you could have a whole damn show devoted to top I, of the charts Tuesday just for Michael Jackson. To hit. see how many weeks in the year Michael Jackson was on the Billboard charts. Like, Throughout history, if you just said oh, on a calendar year, that'd be a great little analytical to see like, how yeah, many because he's, he's on it a lot. Oh no, no cool. Yeah. I mean, you could. I would like to see what artists rank up there with Michael Jackson that are yeah. better than at least the have more. Is now, like on the Billboard like, Top 100. Now, I bet like Pharrell's pretty high up there because you have like two hits that are like thirty weeks each. That just because, true. like, today you can be on for so much longer than you used to be able to stay on the charts. Mm. So now it's like it kind of gets that you're like, if you have, like, Bruno Mars is probably up there, like, 40 weeks, something like that. Yeah. With just a few hits because, like, Uptown Funk was probably 20-something weeks at Ooh. number one. Yeah. Now you're right because when you had a summertime hit back in the day, man, it was all damn summer. Oh, just, man. I think it's right. Like, yeah. that was it. It was the hit for the rest of the damn summer, Eddie Ray. You're right. And, and, hell, MJ had a bunch of those. Yeah, you're right. It's a good point. I would love to see somebody break that down. I don't think anybody's ever really – I've seen anything like it. I'll do some research because now you got me interested. So I'll go rabbit holing, see if I can find anything close to that. Somebody just asked if uh, Michael Jackson is considered a white rapper. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he is, he's the greatest. Yeah, that's what it he, he, he surpasses Eminem. <laughs> I hate to break it to y'all. I don't think he fits into either one of those categories, guys. <laughs> and honestly, Mike would like it that way. Yeah, if he, he was, would. if he was here today, he'd be like, you know what? Don't put me in a box. Don't, <laughs> don't put me in a box. <laughs> <laughs> don't put him in a box. Um, yeah, one thing I, I was, looking, I, I did do some research re- recently about um, music because we were talking about it. And I forgot what kind of sparked this uh, rabbit holing that I uh, went down. But I did find out that basically now one of the the ways that artists are basically kind of getting uh, getting back at the man, I guess record companies that are just trying to take advantage of artists, the songs are just shorter. Yeah, two minutes and like thirty. They're way seconds. shorter yeah, than they were like in the seventies, eighties, in the sixties. Av- that goes into testing and and. You know, just because our ADD generation, like, we don't yeah, want yeah. longer. But I think honestly, I don't mind longer songs if it's a good song. Well, you don't. You also are not the target audience for most new music. I agree. 
So yeah, we are definitely not. You know who is my fourteen-year-old son, DJ. Like, look at look I at girls. and all of his partners. But I will say. I go through the same means of acquiring new music, probably as DJ. I have Apple Music, and I yep. just go through all the new music, and I listen to yep. all the new yeah. music. So I'm an old man, but I still no. find, acquire music the same way as the yeah. young people. Yeah, but they also like if you go back to like, especially on, on you'll see on New Theme Thursday or on uh, on top of the charts Tuesday, you'll see that some of the earlier songs, the intros take a lot longer to get to. Oh it. yeah, yeah. And then the new song, it's like the intro right, right hit and boom, we're we're right into it, and we'll be in the chorus in like 30 seconds. But you know what else that happened to? TV shows. Yeah. You should yep. literally have TV theme songs that would come on, introduce the show. It was like, well, sometimes someone like 30 seconds yeah. to yeah. 45 seconds of a theme song. Now, it, they get right to the damn show. It's like Modern yep. Family. Like, do, 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 do. And yeah. it's it. It's like <laughs> yeah. a five-second intro. But to Patrick's point, uh, average intro length of songs in seconds in 2020s is right under 12 seconds. Yeah, it's crazy. In, yep. in 1990, it was right around 24 seconds. So it's basically even cut in half the, in, the average intro length to a song. Yeah, yep. putting the DJs because hey man, someone who had who did pop radio DJ for a while, the intros would be like, and here's those we're gonna. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's everything. Yeah. It's just you're right in, yeah. right in, right out. No, and it's an average song length in the '90s, uh, two minutes and forty seconds, and now the average song length is right. Uh, it's a little over 180 minutes. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm oh, sorry, 240 seconds. Sorry, 240 seconds and 180 yeah, that's what seconds. I was saying. So it's 240 seconds. I apologize. I said two minutes, 40 seconds. It's 240 seconds uh, used to be in 1990s, the average song length, and now it's just above 180 seconds. So it puts you right above three minutes. Yeah, that's what I was like. I was like, all the songs you start looking mm-hmm. at, that's why you'll look at your playlist and it's like, man, hold on. I got 27 songs on here, and they're all three minutes. All three minutes. Yeah. Yeah. You can't like, go back to the, the yeah. Temptations or whatever. Oh, like no. Eight-minute song. <laughs> with an intro. Uh, with yeah. Papa, yeah. Papa, Roller, Papa was a Rolling Stone is like a minute 40 intro. It, it Yeah, easily. Before they even Before get they to even the song, one yeah. word it's a spoken. minute 40, and then it finishes with like another three minutes <laughs> of just – but that was also like songs back in the 80s. Every, they all had dance mixes, so they were all for clubs. So everything would have like three minutes at the end where you could just dance. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. So You're like right. most Prince songs have like yes. two to three minutes at the end of the song to be like, you hey, play cl- this in the club. Club hits. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah, we don't, I mean, I'm sure they make club hits now, but it's different now. But, and then people in the club don't want to hear it now, so now DJ's got to change it up every two minutes anyway because that's what people want to hear. Yep. It's TikTok, man. Got to go. Got to go. You, they, yeah, you're right. People now. The have, remix gone. <laughs> That's what they're doing the they entire is, time. Yeah, DJ yep. All right. Enough of the old man radio there. All right. Let's get to some NBA news, notes, and nuggets, gentlemen. Let's talk about. We'll, we'll briefly review the games from last night, but I want to preview this Warriors-Lakers matchup tonight yep. and give updates on the injuries because, man, there are injuries to be updated in that Heat-Knicks uh, series and a big one, huge one, actually. Um, then we'll get into that, too, when we preview the matchups. But first, uh, Nuggets and uh, Duckets and the uh, 76ers get the win. I said Celtics win. That's because yeah. in my head I'm thinking how the Celtics lose that game. That's exactly what you were thinking. <laughs> it really was. I mean, even yeah. when I texted it to you guys, I think I put Celtics win because I think I was thinking to myself, oh, Celtics won because I was looking at all of the uh, the stats. But <laughs> no, Celtics found a way to lose that game. It was a Celtics collapse, but give James Harden a lot of credit. Uh, he looked like old James, vintage James yeah. Harden, yeah. man. Yeah. That was like old Kanye. 45 <laughs> points, 6 rebounds, 6 assists. Uh, he was, and he had a clutch three-pointer. He did. Late. So he had it all working, and the uh, the Celtics just couldn't find a way to stop James Harden, and with no Joel Embiid, 
The Celtics lost this game. If you'd have told me before the game, Harge, that the Celtics were going to lose this game, um, and they started, yeah, Celtics were going to lose this game, and Joel Embiid would not play for the 76ers. I would have been stupefied, flabbergasted, and uh turns out that's exactly what happened. Yeah, it was unbelievable effort by by the 76ers and James Harden, but it was an epic fail by the Boston mm-hmm. Celtics. And I, I'm not taking anything away from James Harden. It was good to see him. It was good to see that old James Harden, especially when he was looking like he was walking in the game with somebody's blanket on him as he was uh the pregame strut in. I was like, wow, this, but it is Met Gala night, so you can wear whatever you <laughs> was want. It, was it a blanket, or was he trying to be a Muppet? It was part, it was a little bit of both. I, I felt like he was just trying to be a stylish Muppet. Was it what was the what was the uh, the, the it, material? Was it jean? Or that's what I'm saying. What, what the was fabric? It, it was velvet. It was velvet. It was snuffleupagus. Yeah, it was snuffleupagus. That's right. Didn't even look like he had. I don't. I don't even know what that was. But what that was was the man walking in to let y'all know y'all can talk about me all you want, hey. but I'm about to put up 45 and I'm gonna get it in. And mm-hmm. the other part about it, remember James Harden's main part of his game was getting to the free throw line. He would get so many points by yeah. driving to the basket and drawing those fouls, and, and then he would make, what, 17 or 18 free throws in a game. Well, last night, he only shot four free throws. And, Patrick, you brought it up. They only they committed 10. Defense. That's right. They weren't even trying to be physical with him. I thought it was uh, uh, something that you could look at, especially when you look at Boston getting into the paint. They scored 66 points in the paint, Boston, they scored sixty six yeah. points with the fact Joel Embiid's not there, no nobody to block uh, in the paint. Still. So I'm going after it, and they still ended up losing that game. They only shot seventeen free, th- I mean eighteen free throws. Uh, Boston, I mean seventy sixers only shot twelve free throws. Yeah. It was it, unbelievable. To me, it was eerily similar to the uh, earlier playoff game that they that Boston lost to the Hawks yes. when they were up 3-1 in that series, and the Hawks found a way to, to upset Boston, even though Boston was up 109-96 to with about six minutes left in that game. They had another epic collapse, as you called it, Harge. And remember, Trey Young, he basically played the role of James Harden. He lit them up in that game yes, for did. 38 points, had 16 in the fourth quarter. Essentially, this was a – I mean, it, it almost – almost look at stat for stat they dominated that game too they had 60 mm-hmm. points in the paint that they game did. They and did. how many you said they had in the game in the game here 66 it was, it was very <laughs> tell, it was eerily similar they dominated that game should have won it and dominated this game should have won it and yet they found a way to collapse the we even had a Celtics fan hit us up on the spec text line earlier and said man the lack of killer instinct with this squad has been a problem and been frustrating all year long that's exactly what I'm saying you see a team in the playoff second round without their star player a guy who might win MVP tonight yes play, without, that hurt man if they were still voting that would hurt Joel Embiid's case it would MVP. they'd be like uh oh <laughs> like, I don't know like that's crazy yeah. that they couldn't find a way to win that game and uh yeah the 76ers give them props and give James Harden props they find a way to win 119 and 150 and going to the to the other part of it, you were talking about it earlier. You start looking at what the bench looked like. Their bench, uh, Melton came off and had 17 points. They scored 20 points off their bench. That's it. 20 mm-hmm. points off of their bench. Uh, they only went with eight players the entire game, which is a very short bench. Now, this is going to be the interesting part. How are they going to use the bench mm-hmm. next game? Yeah. Because when you got guys that are playing – 
uh, Tobias Harris played 42 minutes. James Harden, 39 minutes. Maxie with uh, 36 minutes. And P.J. Tucker, who did not take a shot the entire game. <laughs> not a free throw, not a layup, not even that corner three-pointer that he always takes. Didn't do anything in this basketball game and had four fouls. And had four fouls, by the way. That was the amazing part about it. You got nothing from him. But I will say his replacement, uh, Joel Embiid's replacement, Reed, he was clutch. And he made four free throws for a guy that doesn't get to play as often yeah. for him to be clutch down down the stretch of the game. And he hit those free throws. And uh, I don't know if it was Reggie Miller that was doing the game. He said, that is hitting nothing but the bottom of the net. Bottom like, the dude net. wasn't even worried about it. No, but this is the problem, though, is the 76ers went small, and then the Celtics don't adjust. They just go, let's go small, too. We want to go small. Yep. Like, man, go in there and beat them up. You got Robert Williams. Go use them. Go beat them up. Yep. Because they were playing, basically, P.J. Tucker at the five. Yep, they were. They and, were. And I know it was going to body up on you. You would foul him out of a game pretty quickly if he's playing at the five. Yep. Because he's going to he's gonna play physical. And Robert Williams can go in there and, you know, you can have some A&M versus mm-hmm. Texas fight <laughs> yeah. down in the post. Yeah. Well, here you but go. I, you look I, at I it. Just, four, it. Four, four fouls by Tucker, five fouls by Maxie, four by Reed, and four by James Harden. And you couldn't get any of those guys to foul out. Yeah. You but stopped you, attacking Robert, them. Robert Williams takes three shots in this game. It's all three of them. Yeah. Like, you have to be able to go to the guys when you have an advantage at one point. They go, Joel Embiid is out. I know we don't have a lot of bigs on this team. And Al Horford kind of matches up in that P.J. Tucker, uh, uh, Tobias Harris. So, like, we can't really use him in the post a ton because that equals out. We do have Robert Williams. They don't have anybody who's going to be able to stop him. They're going to have to foul him. They're going to have to – we're going to have to play that game. Why do you not try to go to this at any point and you just keep playing a standard, hey, let's just kind of shoot the ball, throw it around a little bit more, and then we're not going to play defense? Because if you're throwing it to Robert Williams, you can leave him in the game more, and then you can have a rim protector – to try and stop some of this free reign to the basket when Tatum or Brown or gets Smart even gets blown past, and these guys are getting blown past because they're not mm-hmm. playing hard up on a guy and not bumping him, you at least have a rim protector in. Yeah. No, yeah. they did not make any uh, adjustments <laughs> None. that really helped their squad. There was no schematic adjustment. kind of goes back to the point Patrick made earlier about coaching. Uh, for this Celtics team, and maybe that's something that has uh, been exposed, or the lack thereof has been exposed in these playoffs. Uh, Real quick, uh, before we get to this Warriors-Lakers matchup, gentlemen, Suns in trouble. A little bit of trouble here, falling behind 2-0-2, I should say, in this series to the Nuggets, 97-87. Nikola Jokic, 39 points. Guys, he had, you go look at it, he really would not be denied. He had 30 shots. He was 17 of 30. Yep. Uh, those 30 field goal attempts, that's the most he's had all season. So he knew, came, he came into this uh, game much like Steph did. Remember Steph? Yep. Steph had his uh Put him highest, on my back. Yeah, when Steph scored 50, I believe he had his highest field goal attempts uh, in his playoff career in that game. He understood, I got to put this team on my back. I must will my team to victory. Jokic did the same thing, and thank God he did. Because Jamal Murray had 34 points in game one to help them uh, win that game. But in this game, gentlemen, he only had 10 points. He finished with 10 points, but that was at one point he had. He went into the fourth quarter with four points and was one of 10 entering the fourth quarter. Yeah. 
he was a non-factor, uh, but they didn't need him because Jokic was such a force. And that's why, to your point, he mm-hmm. knew that he was off. He said, Jokic said, just give me the ball. My guy is not shooting the ball well, going 0 of 9 from three-point land. Just let me get the ball and let me score against these fools because they can't stop me. Aiden, he's worried about scoring himself. He wasn't trying to play defense on him, and he couldn't. He couldn't mm. stop Jokic. I mean, it was just the simple fact of how physical Jokic is and how he can maneuver around the basket. But let's look at what uh, the Phoenix Suns are. Phoenix Suns coming into this, everybody was looking at them, saying, "You know what? This is this is their year. This is going to be the year for Chris Paul. This is, they got Kevin Durant. He's coming back. I think that's only the third game I believe that they've lost since Kevin Durant has been there. Sounds right. Yeah, I, I think, think that's the right yeah. But with KD going two of twelve from three point land, that's not him. And that they didn't have anybody else doing anything either. That's no. the other part about it. When you look at it, two of twelve and four of eight between Booker, those are the only three pointers that was made. No, and between <laughs> I believe between KD and Devin Booker, they missed thirty-two shots. Yeah, and here's a stat that really sums up the entire series and why the Suns are down 0 2 Twenty-two it, shots from three. Missed twenty-two shots. Twenty-two shots. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. uh, in this series, everyone not named Devin Booker and KD are shooting less than thirty-three percent from the field. That's 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 and not good. Under twenty percent from three-point range. So that's the that's it in a nutshell. Yeah, I mean that's your. And now you're gonna have to you're gonna try to replace what Chris Paul brings to you, whether it's the calmness, maybe it's the leadership, but that's the other part of it. It's like, what are we doing now? What are you gonna do now if Chris Paul can't play, and it looks like he's not gonna be able to play the way he limped off in the second half? That's gonna be the biggest challenge for them is finding someone to play it. And I know you mentioned maybe Booker is gonna probably run the one. I don't like Booker running the one because he don't look to pass. He looks to shoot. Well, they need him to, they need him to score. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and I get it, but you're also, he's also probably not going to turn the ball over at the rate that if you put it into Payne's hands. Yeah, are, that's are. true. So I, I get that you, it's not ideal, but you're at no ideal point right now. Now, you do have till Friday, so the hope would be that Chris Paul will come back and play on Friday. And I can tell you, Chris Paul is the type of guy who will be lying, doing everything in his power to be on that court on Friday because he understands going down 3-0 in this series is not an option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, it's not a, well, you know what, I'll come back in game four when we're down 3-0. Yeah, that's true. So he knows He knows I need to, if if I can get there on Friday, but you have today, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. To, like, that's, a, that's a good amount of time in NBA world to, if it is, if it's somewhere he can just, if it's just a mild sprain or something like that, he might be able to get back in you and play hope. on Friday. You better hope. You hope because, yeah, they just don't yeah. have any depth. They do they, not. And, uh, yeah, they, actually they were up eight points when CP3 suffered that groin injury, um, and then they were outscored by 18 points after CP3 ended up leaving that game. And if you go look at it, uh, Aaron Gordon did a great job defending yep. Durant. Not a lot of players can gra- brag about that. Um, he was basically Durant was one of nine from the field when the two matched up in the second half. But overall, Kevin Durant three of thirteen in the time that uh, Aaron Gordon was the main defender on him in Game Two, and that was fifty five percent of the time. And Caldwell Pope actually mm-hmm. guarded Devin Booker yep. pretty damn good and frustrated him. So you're talking about between those two guys, you got fifty nine points and thirty two missed shots between those two players. That's way too inefficient between yep. Devin Booker and KD. KD's got to put his cape on in the fourth quarter. If he don't. 
that's it's going to be the same result. They're going to end up having to sweep or a gentleman sweep in this series. And Caldwell Pope went out and played good basketball, too. Yeah, yeah. He was 4-4 four four from three-point land, and mm-hmm. he was 5-6 of six total with his shot, scoring 14 points. So that was big for them as well because he gave them another boost because they had a third scorer that was able to go out there and, and put some pressure on them. All right, let's talk about the Warriors and the Lakers real quick, guys. Uh, we'll get to Rod's round of the day coming up next segment. Um, what's the biggest factor, uh, in your guys' opinion, uh, on who's going to win this series? What's the biggest factor on either side? The ancillary players. It's mm-hmm. going who's going to step up. You can't have Steph and LeBron going at each other the entire time, especially when you need another you need a help guy. You look at what uh, uh, Clay Thompson. I've talked about Jordan Poole. Is this going to be that kind of of series where either of these guys going to show up and help Steph? Because Steph can't run around like that. I know he's in great shape. That was one game he tried to put the team on his back. He knew I need to get to this next round, so I'm willing to do whatever I can to get my team there. But you're going up against LeBron James, and you have already had history against each other. And the fact too is a D going to be able to help LeBron. He's been playing really good basketball. AD has been a rim protector. He's been doing really good on the rebounding end of it. But where is the matchups? Like, who is going to guard who? Uh, That is going to be the biggest factor. And for AD, got to push Looney away from the basket. You got to be able to keep Looney away from the basket. Because if you can do that, then you're going to have a lot of chances to get rebounds. Yeah, and I agree with you because it is going to be curious to see what D'Angelo Russell, because he's just been so inconsistent, had some great games and some terrible games, and Austin Reeves and Rui Achimura and just the rest of this bench if they're able to play. But I'm with you. It's AD. It's AD because there is no question the second-best player past or third-best player past LeBron and Steph Curry is AD. This is a guy who at – points can be an MVP caliber player. Mm-hmm. Earlier this season when LeBron was out and he, people were like, AD could win MVP. Exactly. We knew he wasn't going to keep it up, but we knew at that time. You he mean was straight playing, close? He's straight close Davis. <laughs> we know, but he can play at that level. So if you say, no. Clay Thompson's never been an MVP caliber player. Tr- Draymond Green's never been that. Wiggins has never been that. Mm. AD has been that. Yep. So if you get that AD out there, you are now putting two MVPs against one and then it goes down to matching everybody else up. If AD can play prime AD basketball after getting a rest, finishing business against Memphis in enough time to now play a tired uh, Golden State team, that is going to be, for me, yeah. the biggest question because if he plays great, then Lakers can walk away with this. Yeah. No, that's a good point about AD versus – you can look at the last time the Warriors faced AD. Of course, in the playoffs, he was with the New Orleans Pelicans at the time. Um, the Golden State Warriors averaged just 103.3 points per 100 possessions when Davis was involved in a play. Obviously, uh, their I believe their regular offensive rating then was 112.8 uh, points per 100 possessions during that regular season. So he definitely affects even even back then. Obviously, he's a little bit older now. That was about five years ago. Um, he can have a devastating effect on the opposing team's uh, offense in the paint. You go look at effective field goal percentage. Uh, uh, versus Memphis with Davis on the floor. Uh, Memphis' effective field goal percentage uh, at the rim was around 41.1% with Davis as the closest defender, yeah. which means he is de- deterring all types of stuff at the rim. Um, and you can look at the regular season matchups, which, by the way, were 
I mean, it's no it, you can look at them, but there were so many guys that were missing during the regular season matchups. It's hard to really uh, to extract anything from it. Um, but he was also really effective uh, at defending the rim in the regular season matchups. Effective field goal percentage for the Golden State Warriors in those four regular season matchups with Davis as the closest defender, forty three point one percent, which is about eight point nine percentage point uh, below their shot quality. So he definitely affects women. Right now, he's having one of his best defensive seasons as a uh, as a player with the Lakers and the Lakers right now since the post trade deadline I should say they've they've been the third best defense in the NBA second best defense right now in the playoffs so to me the Warriors one way to exploit this weakness kind of stay away from AD's rim protection or his uh, juggernaut defense at the rim transition yeah, it's one yep. thing Memphis exposed the Lakers on, and Gotta they run. are old. If you can just get out and just run as much as possible. Now, Golden State's old, too. I was going to say, they're, they're, not, they're no spring chicken. But, but, but Steph can run, and Jordan Poole can run. They got guys that can run. GP3 can run. run. Yes. Yeah. They need to run on them because that's what Memphis exposes. Memphis, when they had that big comeback there, it was just John Morant getting out in transition, just pushing the rock. Yeah. And the Lakers, but he's a different speed, He is though. a different speed, he's but the Lakers speed. have problem in transition defense, yeah. not in their half-court defense. Yeah. Uh, and a quick update about uh, – uh, the game tonight between these uh, the yes, he, Knicks, Knicks, and, Knicks he, and he Jimmy Butler is listed as out now. Ooh. He will not play Brunson and Randall for the Knicks. Both game time decisions if they play tonight. These are all ankle injuries. Yep, all ankle, soft tissue. They got some soft <laughs> tissue. Got some weak ankles up there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate, man. Because Jimmy Butler, uh, he was. I mean, I don't know if anybody's played better these playoffs than Jimmy Butler. Has anybody uh, played better in the playoffs? I, than Jimmy no one's shown more dog. Nobody, yeah. nobody showed more dog than Jimmy. And it's that funny that you say that because there was a shirt that's being. Uh, moved around the internet is calling it the Miami Hemis because Jimmy is Hemi. <laughs> the Miami, the Miami Hemis. Not Hemis. the Jimmys, the Hemis. Because he is him. Because he is him. I like that. Yeah. That's well done. Well done, Internet. Undefeated, as Undefeated. always. Undefeated. Uh, we come back. Uh, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you about a trend I recognize in the NFL draft, and I believe your head coach, Steve Sarkeesian, is responsible for popularizing this trend hour? in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, our. We'll talk about that when we come back right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful night home. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Time for Rod's rant of the day, and I want to talk about the NFL draft. I've been doing some research about the NFL draft, and um, I saw the way too early mock drafts that we talked about earlier today. We'll get back to those at the top of the 6 o'clock. Uh, there was Pro Football Focus, Dane Brugler, Sharp Football had one, Touchdown Wire had one, had four of them, and three out of the four had Xavier Worthy. Uh, being taken in the first round. He was the uh, only uh, Longhorn that was mocked to be drafted in three of the four way too early mock drafts. But, of course, it's way too early. That's the whole point. And I started doing some research because uh, one thing about X-Man, he's a great receiver, one of the top five best receivers in college football. Um, but one of the things the scouts have talked about Xavier Worthy is how light he is. And that he's a little undersized, that he's slight, more than light, slight, slight and light, right? He's 6'1". They, I don't know what he is now, but he was labor on 165, yeah. between 165, maybe 170. 
is where he is. And if, to be six foot and, you know, six foot 170, uh, this means your BMI, your body mass index is probably really low. And if you go look at it, you know, I've looked at wide receivers who are small or small-ish and not just short, but also slight in light. If you go look at wide receivers who are in that kind of that, that body mass index uh, range as Xavier Worthy, the six foot one seventy, six foot one eighty. It it is. It's like I said. It's for for quarter for running backs. Or sorry, wide receivers that are coming out. It's a really light frame. So I did research. Devonte Smith, right? Uh, yes, so I did research and started wanting to go look at the receivers who have that type of really light frame because right now Xavier Worthy is definitely in that conversation. Um, he is you know, not alone because recently wide receivers with these slight frames become more and more popular. And I looked at the receivers coming out this year, and you did have some receivers in the top two rounds. So I didn't really go deep, deep, deep into the draft. Just got to stay with the, the top two rounds and try to look at what receivers who had really light uh, BMIs or really light body mass index, just slight frames were drafted really high. And Zay Flowers is one of those guys. Zay Flowers is 5'10, 182. Um, he ended up being drafted in the first round by the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, there is Jordan Addison. He's another guy. And it, people didn't really think Jordan Addison was this light, but he's 5'11, 170. Mm hmm. 170, actually put on some weight. So he's 173, I believe, was the last. And that was him putting on weight, which means most of these guys probably don't play at this weight. They probably don't play at this specific weight. They probably play some, somewhere lighter. They probably play, in, you know, about five pounds lighter than this. But when you go to the combine, much like a, you know, Bryce Young, you put on some weight because they want to see you uh, with a little girth, right? Yep, yep. They want to see you with some size. So he's another one that's really light. Jaden Reed, uh, another player, 5'11", 187. He was taken in the second round. And then there's Marvin Mims, second round. We talked about him earlier. He's 5'11", 177. Mm-hmm. And I think about it, X-Man is supposed to be, like I said, uh, and when he goes to the combine, they'll measure him officially. Remember, I was 5'11 at Texas, and I was 5'8 and 3 quarters at the combine. You have it, uh, as George Costanza say, Things have a tendency to shrink in the water. <laughs> well, players have a tendency to shrink at the combine. And I'm sure mm, the X Man, he looks 6'1, maybe he is, but he might shrink just a little bit. He might go to the combine and be six foot. Right. right? Motor combine and be 5'11. Yep. It happens. But if he is six foot 163, which I think he may be, uh, like I said, a little shorter than that and maybe a little heavier than that, he's still going to be in the range of a body mass index of around 24% are less than 25%, which is rare at the receiver position. So I started looking at the body mass index of those guys I just mentioned, first-round, second-round receivers for this season. I think there were seven total first and second round. Four of those guys were, I guess I would consider them slight and slender frames. Uh, Zay Flowers, 26 uh, by 26.1 body mass uh, BMI, Jordan Addison 24.1, Jane Reed 26.1, and Marvin Mims is 24.7 on the BMI. I went and looked at Z- Xavier Worthy, and he's he's hovering around 22 BMI, which is really light. Actually, that would be historically light. Um, Devontae Smith was at 23.1, mm. and you'd have Xavier Worthy at the BMI at 22. Uh, percent BMI. So what I what you go look at is the receivers since Devontae Smith. Now this is key because this gets back to a Sark, and I think Sark has done a lot for the small-ish, slight receiver out there. Uh, in 2021, when Devontae Smith was drafted number 10 overall, so we're talking about three drafts ago now, 
Um, at that point, if you go look back all the way to 2000, there had been 21 receivers. Actually, they back 22 receivers who were drafted with a 25 BMI or less since 2000. 11 of those, all right, 11 of those, including Devontae Smith, have been since 2021. And you could you basically say there have been 10 drafted since Devontae Smith went number 10 overall. There have been 10 receivers drafted with a BMI 25 or less since Devontae Smith was taken 10th overall in the NFL draft. And he's been pretty damn good for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. So 24 total receivers drafted with a BMI, body mass index, of 25 or less since 2000. 11 since 2021. Honestly, I'll give Sark a ton of credit for making the small-ish, slight receiver uh, for bringing them back in vogue. Because before Devontae Smith, people really knocked receivers who were that light. Right. And that small. And matter of fact, it was something that was considered extremely damaging to your draft stock. But since Sark uh, was able to weaponize Devontae Smith and really maximize him as one of those small receivers, um, man, it looks like other NFL teams are willing to look past uh, the slight small frame of receiver if they have, you know, elite high level skills and tools in their toolbox, which, of course, uh, Devontae Smith had. Yep. So you give Sark a lot of trophy. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. how many of those guys actually end up getting becoming thousand yard receivers? If you go look at round one receivers, round two receivers with a BMI, all right, with a body mass index of twenty six or less, and a thousand yard receiving season, I only counted five. All right, five receivers that have been drafted since two thousand who have a BMI of twenty six or less that have also been able to accumulate 1,000 yards as a receiver. Hmm. There's not a lot of history of success with those small, slight receivers. But, like I said, they're becoming more and more popular in teams in a pass-happy league with a pace and space spread them league. They're figuring out how to use these types of players. Uh, hell, the, the Texans just took one tank deal. Yep. 5'8", 165. By BMI of 25. Uh, Jalen Hyatt's in that category. Jalen yeah. Hyatt, he's at six foot one eighty nine, so he's a little bit bigger. He's at a BMI of twenty five point six. But you're starting to see more and more of these. Now these guys are taking in the third round, but in the first two rounds, you're definitely starting to see more and more teams that roll the dice on these small receivers. There have been, like I said, eleven wide receivers with a twenty five or less BMI drafted in the first two rounds in the last two years. Wow. There were eight in the previous sixteen years total. It's definitely becoming a thing. And like I said, it started, or at least it became popularized again with Sark and Sark's love and his his preference of small, fast, slight receivers. And and I think X-Man is going to continue this trend. I think he's going to end up being drafted in the first two rounds based on those way too early mock drafts. They believe he's also going to get drafted in the first two rounds. And he will, once again, start to uh, continue, I should say, this trend of these small receivers going really high in the draft. So that is something I'll give Sark a ton of credit for just as a football theorist. He basically changed the way the NFL views the receiver position. Yeah. They, they basically viewed the slight frame as something that would be disadvantageous prior to Devontae Smith. Now teams are looking past that, and maybe it's a data point that does 
it is a is a negative data point and does knock the skill set and is something that they deem as uh, something they can they can they can't coach out of a player because it's his height. It's nothing you can do about that. But I do think now they are prioritizing other tools in the toolbox for receivers and other than just the size. I love it. That's all Sark, though, man. It's giving them an they, opportunity to stretch the field, too. Does it's Howie me. Roseman get a little bit of credit for taking Devontae Smith and everyone looking at him and going, well, if the, the best GM in the league is taking this guy and then using him and they're winning with him. That is true. No, that's a good point. I mean, they definitely knew how to use them. I think it helps when they brought in A.J. Brown to help, you know, yeah. kind of offset some of the attention. But there's no doubt. Harry Roseman is a, I mean, he's a progressive, forward-thinking GM. And he, obviously, at the 10th pick overall, I got to go look and see how many of those picks were of those small-ish wide receivers, uh, BMI of 25 or less, went higher than pick 10. Because to Patrick's point, I'm not sure many did. Now, he was a Heisman Trophy-winning wide receiver. Yeah, right. But still a very small one. Um, and maybe they picked Jalen Rager, and he wasn't small. Actually, Jalen Rager's probably closer to 200. He was like 195, maybe 18, but 5'10", 5'11". That didn't work out for him. And either. by the way, he got he did he, they declined his option just recently. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. He yeah they drafted him high because they thought he was going to be you yeah. know uh, what they what they what they now have found in Devontae Smith they thought that would be Jalen Rager. Yep. And they gave up on it. But anyway, uh, give Sark a lot of credit, man. He. Uh, he really did change the the uh, the mode, if you will, or change the type of receiver that the NFL has begun to covet because now they seem to want those small, speedy receivers that Sark really likes in his offenses. All right, we come back. We'll get into another off-the-record right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104 Now the Horn. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a Top of the Charts Tuesday. That's where my man Patrick takes jams uh, that reach the top of the Billboard charts. And on this day in history, plays those jams for us to, en- to enlighten us and broaden our horizons. And it always does a great job. My favorite musically themed day of the week. Uh, the Spec Text Line uh, for, you, for you folks out there is wide open. 512-337-3776. Uh, about my rant about these small-ish, slight receivers that are starting to become more and more popular in the NFL. And a lot of that popularity is based on Sark's uh, weaponization of one Devontae Smith. Uh, one texter says, I call them wiry. That's true. That's what a, that's what a scout would say. That's exactly it. He's wiry. I like that. Um, Nate says, Rod B, you could have been a receiver uh, at that size. Oh, wait, the hands. Yes. <laughs> yes, hands like feet. Stone hands, we know that. Uh, nobody caught the ball on my side of the field, not even me. Uh, Chen says, NFL uh, likes small, fast, and high-frequency stature. Oh, I like that. That's like a that. nice way to put it. Mm. Okay, are you guys into the uh, – the a- have you guys gotten to the AI revolution yet? These All these chat bots everywhere? No, no. Have you gotten into it yet, Patrick? No. I, I'm aware of what it is. You're aware, but you have not engaged yet? No. no. Okay. Um, well, recently, uh, one of the godfathers of AI, one of the kind of original uh, – I mean, kind of creators of modern AI here in America. Um, quit Google to warn of AI threats. Uh, Dr. Hinton deeply regrets helping advance AI to current levels, he says. He says, I console myself with the normal excuse if I hadn't done it, somebody else would have. 
Um, he is not the only one to uh, be freaked out about the latest uh, developments in AI. Remember one month ago, Elon Musk himself, federal central Texan, shout out, uh, Steve Wozniak, uh, among other CEOs and tech leaders, signed a petition to pause all major AI developments because they believe that um, the creation, like the technology right now, it may surpass any of their previous expectations. And it's basically moving. It's 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 becoming self-aware, not totally self-aware. Like I'm not talking about Terminator 2 stuff here, people, but they, they, they call it they call it hallucinating and hallucinating is basically when these chatbots lie to you. They make up. They just lie, make up stuff. They just take all they, they start acting like us. We lie. They lie. But see, that's the problem. They lie too. Man. And also they have what they call uh, emergent properties. This is a fancy way of the tech, these uh, tech companies saying the AI is learning things that we did not teach it. It learned something. I didn't teach it. Nobody taught it this. It learned it on its own. It's been learned. It basically has gathered all the information that exists on the Internet, which is the central nervous system of our world and our civilization. And it has learned new things that we did not teach it. They call it emergent properties, but it scares the hell out of me. Well, that's the other part of it. it, it it's like like we already have enough things that are going on in our life that now I'm gonna go have a conversation with a robot. I don't, I don't, I don't, I I have a tough time talking to my kids right now. Hey, be nice to that robot. Not, he may be your master one day. I'm not, <laughs> you I'm, I'm staying stay away from him. Staying away from him. I'm not gonna have it. I'm not gonna have discussions with him. I don't have that kind of time. It's yeah. It's, did you hear that thing? There was like a guy who was doing an article on it. And, I saw that, and he was going yes. through, and he's like, "Oh, it had this funny thing to say, and it was really good." And then you go deeper in the article, and it's like, "And then it told me to leave my wife because it was in love with me." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. You're like, yeah. "Oh no, no, my no!" My point Chad. exactly. It, I'm it, passing. It, it starts trying to manipulate us, like we manipulate each other. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, it's scary. Out of there. I yeah. don't have that kind of time. No, I'm you, not doing it. I'm telling you, people, go start reading it, and it will scare the living. Did you. you see Tom Brady suing? Uh, they made a, they made a filthy Tom Brady AI. Oh, I saw that for like his uh, the, for the roast. It was like for the it roast. It was something, something like right? that, but it was it was, it was for be a fake Tom Brady. Though. It was a fake Tom yes. Brady AI that was a stand up, but it was really filthy. It was apparently. a chatbot Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah it was apparently really filthy, and he sued them. <laughs> yeah, because who's gonna pay him? Well, that company, the tech company that came yeah. up with it. Or Remember, I don't know if you guys saw this either. You saw that the. I forgot what chatbot it was, but it created a Drake song with The Weeknd. That's what I heard about went, that. And the song went viral. Yeah. And people was like, man, it, and they couldn't tell if the song was, was actually made by not. Drake That's and The right. Weeknd or if it was it's, like some, yeah, some yeah. made up I think that says thing. something more about Drake and The Weeknd than it does about <laughs> Chad. But. No, I listened to the song. The song actually doesn't sound bad. <laughs> See, I, that's the way they I suck you in right there. They got you. Oh, I'm going to check it out. Now, it wasn't you're terrible, about, guys. Rod, have you watched, I know you're a Seinfeld fan. Have you ever watched Nothing Forever? No, what is that? It was a AI generated Seinfeld that used to run like twenty four hours a day. <laughs> wow, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I, I think they finally had it taken down, but it was like a thing because I think it started to get racist and stuff in the middle. Yes, that's also happens to the AI. They get racist, like yeah. us. Yes, they yeah, because you get on the internet he and said, we all like know us. They do. No, no, it all it mimics us. It, we are basically yeah. just building something that's becoming us, and we are scary. Because yeah. there are a lot of things about the human condition that we know we struggle with, right? The dark passenger, yeah. the violence in all of us, the Not little racist it. in all of us, the sexist in all of us, with things that we fight every day to overcome because we want to be better human beings. These damn things don't have those same moral obligations. They don't have hey, the same no, moral hey, compass. Just like us. 
Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm telling you, a lot of I'm people. I'm going to pass on this, Alex, for 400 <laughs> pass. You, it is scary, though. It is. I'm not going to lie. It's scary. If you're an old person right now, you got to be freaking out hearing this guy. Yeah. like, what, the, what do you mean? No. <laughs> this is like the movie? Like the movie. Yeah, like, if you're an old person, you'd be like, I'll be dead before that. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> no. and, and uh, you know what? What am I going to do? They'll kill me first. I'm not worried about them. And turns out, the AI, this is now part of how people are trying to live longer, too, is AI. To like, yeah. To artificially, to basically kind of artificially transfer your intelligence to something else, and therefore you can live as a chat bot forever. Yeah. People are having these discussions. I'm not yeah. making I'm this stuff wait, up. I'm no, just waiting for the first. I'm just not doing I'm just, it. I'm just waiting for the <laughs> not first. Not paying attention to it. Not doing any of it. I'm waiting for the first celebrity to blame AI for their sexual oh, discrimination. Yeah. <laughs> where, where they're just like, well, what was that? Were you? Did you? Uh, did you? Text these women these horrible things. No, nah. nah, that was it. That was AI. I was trying to use some AI. That's my chatbot. No, that chatbot. It's it's evil. I just shut it down. <laughs> it no, those chatbots are gonna be racist. They've already done it. They've they already are already racist. Yeah, they're already racist and sexist. They're like us. They're us. Yeah. So congratulations. World. Not doing it. You've created a demon. <laughs> I'm sure God said the same thing when he created yeah. us. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what we needed more of? Internet trolls. Uh, yeah, yeah, artificial ones. Artificial ones artificial that you ones. can't even punch. <laughs> <laughs> that are maybe more clever than we actually are. So there you go. That's your uh, your update on AI. Hope I didn't scare the hell out of everybody else. You there. did. You yes. did. Someone says Age of Ultron type stuff. It is. Yeah. yeah, it is. Uh, all right, we'll come back. We'll come right back. We'll get into some uh, other topics of the day. We'll get into the way too early 2024 mock draft, Big 12 odds, David Pollard, Big 12 pick, which has upset the Longhorn Nation, and Puna Ford signing with the Bills. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Line 104.9.